Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Shall we open our Bibles and shall we turn to the book of 1 Samuel? Shall we open to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16? And let's read verses 1 to 5. 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 to 5. I'm going to read it for us. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. We see here that God was talking to Samuel. And just so we understand the context of when this conversation was happening, Israel was going through an important phase in their lives. When you look at the context in which God was talking these words to Samuel. Saul was king over Israel, and Saul was given as their first king. And Saul reigned over Israel for over 40 years. And the period when Saul was king over Israel, Saul did certain things that were not so good. Saul did stuff that made him and the people of Israel lose blessings from God. And looking at this, God was rejecting the reign of Saul, and he's going to appoint a new king over the land of Israel. And that's where chapter 16 picks up. Now, you and I sitting here this morning, friends, I believe you and I are in a similar position. God has blessed us with a new year, 2023. And you know, every now and then I try to um, pause and see how much of the year has passed by and how much of the year is ahead of me. So last night I was doing that and apparently we are 6% done with 2023. And we have 94% left in front of us. The reason I say that is we are still in the starting days of this year. And my prayer this morning is that God is going to start a new chapter in our lives this year. My prayer this morning is that 2023 will be a new chapter in every one of our lives. 
And with that in mind, let's look into chapter 16 and see what God has in store for us. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? God was asking Samuel a question. How long will you mourn, Samuel, about Saul, who I rejected king over Israel? And I want to pose that same question in front of us this morning. How long will you mourn? I don't know what 2020 look, 2022 has looked like for you guys. I don't know what baggage you brought into 2023. Whatever that is in your life that's bothering you, whatever you're beating yourself up for whatever has happened in the past, or whatever you're struggling with in your life at the moment. Maybe it could be a physical issue, it could be a spiritual issue, maybe it's a relational thing, or maybe you're struggling over some sin that you're trying to get rid of but keep going back to it again. My question to you this morning is, how long will you mourn? God is saying, I'm going to start a new chapter in your life this year. How long will you mourn is what God is asking Samuel. Now, when you look at the people of Israel and the change that they were going through, this is not just Israel getting another king. This was a huge shift in the lives of the people of Israel. Because what God was doing is God was rejecting the reign of Saul, and he was appointing David as their new king. Now, when you look into the lives of Saul and David, you see that they are poles apart. When you look into the life of Saul, to put it in today's terms, to put it loosely, Saul looks like a people's choice award. Right? When God gave Saul as king over Israel, people asked God for a king. When people asked God for a king, God had some very heavy words to say. God says to Samuel, Samuel, the people of Israel have not just rejected you, but they rejected me, the living God. And God says, all right, I'll give them a king. So Saul was a permissive will of God. God permitted Saul to be king over Israel. When you look at David, nobody asked God for David to be king. Nobody asked God to give them another king other than Saul. God himself was taking the initiative and anointing David as their next king. In other words, to say, David was God's choice of word. It was God's initiative, God's chosen one that's being appointed as king. And when you look at David, David was the perfect will of God. It was no longer a permissive will. It was God's perfect will of God when he was giving David as a king over Israel. And if you look into the personalities of Saul and David, Saul appears to be a very impatient man. When you look into um, uh, the first book of Samuel, into the previous chapters, maybe in chapter 13 and, and, um, and, and, in, and in other chapters, there was a time when Saul had to wait for Samuel for seven days so that Samuel could come and offer some burnt offerings. 
Saul waits for six days. And on the seventh day, he offers, he takes things into his own hands and he offers the burnt sacrifices. We all know that story. Now, if you look at it, when Saul could have waited six days, he could have waited just another day. But that's the impatience we see in Saul. When you look into David's life, after David was anointed as king, he didn't sit on the throne right away. He waited several years patiently on the Lord. And while he was waiting, that was not a smooth ride for him either. Because Saul was chasing David and David was running for his life. And, and there were instances when David had the chance to kill Saul. But you know what David said? I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. That was David's character. That was who David was. So when you look into Saul's reign, and now what the people of Israel are getting into, it looks like night and day. It looks like the people of Israel were entering a brand new chapter in their lives by getting David as their king. And when you look into verse 1, I'm going to read it again. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? And then the Lord says this, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Now when God was asking Samuel to fill his horn with oil, in other words, to say God was saying, Samuel, how long will you mourn over whatever has happened in the past? How long will you mourn over Saul being king of Israel because I've already rejected him? So it's time for you to prepare. Fill your horn with oil. It's time to prepare for what I have in store for you and for the people of Israel. You know, when we look at oil in scriptures, it denotes preparedness. Filling your horn with oil is, in other words, to say, Samuel, get up, prepare. There's a lot of stuff that I need you to do. There's a lot of stuff in store for you. I need you to fill your horn with oil and be on your way. We all know the parable of uh, the foolish and the wise virgins. It says when the foolish virgins, they took their lamps, but they did not have any oil. But the wise virgins, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and they were prepared, waiting for the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom came, they were able to go with him. If you and I want a blessing in our lives, church, preparedness is a key. We need to prepare for what God is going to bless us with if we really want to experience that new chapter that God has in store for us. You know, when God asks Samuel to fill his horn with oil, it goes without saying that Samuel's horn had to be empty first. Right? If Samuel's horn was full, he doesn't have any space to fill his horn with oil. 
I think when we come to God, oftentimes we ask God to prepare us for whatever we're praying for. But when we come to God, are we coming with our horn full? Or are we coming with God with our horn empty? If you need to ask this question to yourself, what's in my horn? What's in my life? What's in my heart? What would the answer be? Do you have stuff in your life that's taking the place of God? Do you have worldly things in your heart and in your life that you need to get rid of? You know what's in your heart. You know what's in your life. If so, God is saying, come before me as an empty vessel. Come before me as an empty vessel. Because only if you're empty can God fill you. If you come before God with all the filth in our lives, if we come before God with all the, all the things that are contrary to God's will, all the things that are counted as rubbish, and we ask God, God, fill me with your presence, fill me with your spirit, there's a good chance that those prayers might not be very fruitful. Because you're not giving room for God to work in you. We all know the parable of, I mean, we, the, we know the story of uh, Jesus and how he turns water into wine. You know, when they ran out of wine in the wedding, Jesus asked the servants to fill the water stone pots with water. Now, he could say that because there were some empty water pots. My question to you is, what is in your life that you need to empty? What is in your life that you need to take out and count it as rubbish? You know, we live in a sinful world and we are sinful people by nature. So it goes without saying that it can be a one-time process. Every single day of your life, every single day of my life, we need to do this constantly where we come before God and ask God, God, search me and take me, take away everything that is contrary to your will. Anything that is against what you have for me. Anything that's being a stumbling block, that's being a barrier between you and me. Take that away from my life. Let's turn to the book of Second, Sam, Second Kings. Shall we turn to the book of Second Kings, chapter 4? And while you're turning there, I'm just going to give you the context of what's happening here. We see a widow approaching Elisha. Now, this widow comes to Elisha with a problem. And the problem is that the widow has some money that she has to pay to her debtors. And she doesn't have any money. She's late on payments. And now the creditors are coming after her 
to take away her two sons so that they can use their sons as slaves. And so the widow comes to Elisha, and this is what she says. 2 Kings chapter 4, reading from verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what to do. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Verse 3, Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, Elisha, Elisha was um, giving a solution to the widow. And his instructions were very explicit. He says, all right, go around and collect as many empty jars as you can. Not jars that are half full or that are full with oil or flour or whatever. Collect empty jars. And he also says, don't collect just a few. Collect as many as you can. And when you have whatever jars you can collect, go into your room and start pouring the oil into all these empty jars. And let's look at verse 5. So she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. The oil stopped flowing. So more the empty jars, more was the oil. More was the blessing. The moment the empty jars were run out, the oil stopped. More empty space in our heart for God to fill it the more blessing will be seen. The question is, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? Whatever that is standing in between you and God, God is saying, will you make room for me? Or are you going to cling on to whatever? When you look into the life of Samuel, God is saying, fill your horn with oil, Samuel. Enough that you mourn. Stop beating yourself on whatever happened in the past. I'm starting a new chapter in your life and in the lives of the people of Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. And let's go back to our key scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Reading verse 1 again. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. And he says, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. 
You know, when you empty yourself and you invite God into your heart, and when you invite God into your life, God is going to fill you with his presence, with his spirit. And God is going to do that, not just you can feel good about yourself and kick back and relax. When God fills you, he's going to send you. And that's exactly what's happening with Samuel. God says, Samuel, fill your horn with oil. And he says, I'm sending you to Jesse in Bethlehem. Now, when Samuel heard these words from God, there was a part that Samuel had to play. And that was to obey to God's calling. And the obedience that Samuel shows in this chapter is not very easy because he had a challenge in front of him. Let's look at the verse 2. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and what? Kill me. Hmm. Now this looks like a legitimate issue. Right? God, I understand that you have a great plan for Israel. I understand that you're filling me and you're sending me out. But just so you know, if I go and do what you're asking me to do, Saul is going to kill me. Do you have like a plan B maybe? <laughs> right? We all know the story of Moses. When God called Moses, Moses was not ready either. And we all know the story of, you know, the conversation that happens between God and Moses. And if you look into the obedience that Moses shows, it was not that easy either. In spite of whatever inabilities that he was looking at, maybe he was not quick at speech or he was not confident to stand in front of Pharaoh, there was a history that Moses had with Egypt. Because when Moses fled Egypt, he actually killed an Egyptian and he buried him. So when God is asking Moses to go back to Egypt and stand in front of Pharaoh, Moses is like, God, I've got criminal record on file in Egypt. If I go back, I might get killed. You know, when today we talk about Moses and we talk about Samuel as exemplary figures, as huge giants in faith, but when they showed obedience, they showed obedience when they had a lot at stake. In fact, their lives were on the line when they had to obey God. They didn't obey God when everything was squared away. They didn't obey and, and, and responded to God's calling when they, they had a red carpet welcome to everywhere God sent them. No. They had a lot of hurdles to face, and they were risking their life each and every step of their way. Against all odds stacked up against them, they were take, taking a step of faith and trusting God in the process. Because if God called us, he is going to also take care of us. Because it is not our agenda anymore, it is God's agenda. We all know the 
famous scripture from Psalm 19 where the psalmist says, your word is a lamp for my feet. I don't know um, how much of an experience um, people here have with lamps, but it takes me to my childhood where um, during holidays we used to visit our grandparents' house. And they used to stay in a small village. And there were a lot of power outages at night. And whenever there was a power outage, my grandfather used to light a little lamp. He used to pour some oil and used to light the wick of the lamp so it starts burning. So when I think about that lamp, that lamp never gave room for the entire room. All that lamp did was it used to show you the next step. And he used to carry that lamp, walk around just to make sure all the kids are in safe places. He didn't want us to like run into walls and whatnot. And, and when, I, when I think about lamp, it reminds me of that picture. And he used to walk taking one step at a time. And that's exactly what the psalmist was saying. Your word is a lamp. It doesn't say your word is a, is, is a flashlight. It doesn't say your word is a fl floodlight. It's a lamp for my feet. If you take that step of faith, God's going to show you the next step. You take that step, he's going to show you the next step. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Samuel, in the life of Moses, and in the life of many giants in faith when we look into scripture. When they responded to God's calling, they didn't have things squared away, but they still were willing to respond to God's calling. They were willing to obey what God is asking them to do by taking that step of faith. My question to you, friends, is are we willing to take that step of faith in spite of whatever is at stake? Many times we, we step back thinking about the embarrassment that we might face or the awkwardness that, might, that we might anticipate or whatever un uncomfortable situation that we are thinking about. But God is asking you, if you really want to see a breakthrough, if you want to really see a new chapter in your life, as I fill you, are you willing to be sent? Many times when we think about being sent, the picture that comes to our mind is being sent as a missionary to a third world country. That is needed, but it doesn't have to be that way all the time. Every day when we wake up, God is sending us into our families, into our neighborhood, into our communities, into the church, into our workplaces. The, the question that we need to ask is, when God is sending me, am I willing to shine God's light wherever God is leading me to? And in order for you to do that, First thing, you need to prepare. You need to empty yourself and come before God clean, saying, God, I'm an empty vessel. I'm coming before you so that you can work in me and fill me with whatever I need so that I can accomplish your will. And as he's filling you, he's not just filling you so that you can puff yourself up. He's filling you with a purpose, and that is to be sent out. And now let's look at the book of First Samuel again, chapter 16. And 
reading verse 2. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, don't you love when you, whatever you're talking to God about and whatever God is responding back are two different things. There is no relation whatsoever, right? Samuel says, God, how can I go? Because if I step out and do whatever you're asking me to do, because if I go and anoint David as the next king of Israel, and Saul comes to know about this, he's going to kill me because he's the current king of Israel. And God says, you know what? Take a heifer, take a cow for a sacrifice, yeah. I just wonder if I was in Samuel's shoes, I would go, um, okay, God, but just so you know, the problem still exists. The threat for my life is still present. You know, when God was talking to Abraham, a similar thing happened. Let's turn our books to the, let's turn our Bibles to the book of uh, Genesis. Let's turn to chapter 15. book of Genesis chapter 15, and we see here a conversation that God was having with Abraham. And this is the conversation we all know about where God was promising Abraham that, his, that Abraham's offsprings would be like the stars in the sky. Let's look at chapter 15 and verse 5. It says, he took him out, so God took Abraham out, outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And jumping to verse 8, but Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? Sounds like a legitimate question from Abraham. Because Abraham was not at an age where he could bear kids. So was his wife, Sarah. So when God says, you know what, Abraham? I'm going to make your offspring as the stars in the sky. On the surface, it looks logical for Abraham to ask, God, thank you for the promise, but how do I know it's going to come to fruition? How do I know that I'm going to gain possession of the promise that you gave me. And let's look at verse 9. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. God was saying something that's totally, totally different from what the conversation was, what the context was. God was saying, oh yeah, you, you want to know how you're going to possess this? Bring me a sacrifice. Um, just so you know, God, I'm asking you for a sign. And what you're asking me is for a sacrifice? 
by, by God asking for a sacrifice, God is teaching a very important lesson. When God was promising Abraham about the offspring that's going to be like stars in the sky, Abraham was looking at what's in front of him. He's looking at his age. He's looking at the physicality of things. He's looking at the, 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 the world that he is surrounded with. He's looking at the hurdles. When Samuel was being asked by God to go and anoint David as king, Samuel was looking at Saul. When, by God asking, get me a sacrifice, give me a sacrifice, God is saying, Samuel, I'm the one who's giving you this calling. If I'm the one who's going to give you this calling, you need to look through the obstacle and look to me. When God is giving us a promise, oftentimes that's what happens. We look at our inabilities like Moses. We look at what the weaknesses that we have, and we forget that the one who called us is also the one who equips us. You know, today we don't have to give any animal sacrifices, but the Bible says that you need to present yourself as living sacrifices, pleasing in a sight. And you know what that means? When you present yourself as a living sacrifice, you, what you're doing is you're giving God yourself as an unconditional surrender. You know, when an animal is being sacrificed, do you think the animal has a say in it? No. The animal is not going to say, you know what, sacrifice my legs today, I want to still live. Or the animal is not going to say, you know what, why don't we put this tomorrow? No. When God says you need to present yourself as a living sacrifice, you don't have a say in it. You're not going to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do this next month. I'm not going to do this right now because of X, Y, and Z. When God asks us as, as, as to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, and when we say that we present ourselves as an unconditional surrender, there are no ifs, there are no buts, there are no what-ifs, could-haves, no. You present yourself as you are. You present your insecurities, you present your inabilities, you present your fears, you present your anxiety, whatever it is, you present the entire you as you are to God. You're not going to, just like the animal, you're not going to say, oh, I'm gonna, just going to give you this part of my life while I still keep the finances with me. I'm going to give this part of my life while I keep my time with me. No, it's an unconditional surrender. And that's what God was teaching when he was asking for a sacrifice. It's no longer your agenda, Samuel. When I'm asking you to go and anoint David as king, I understand what lies ahead of you. I understand the, 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 
the roadblocks that you're seeing, but are you able to see me through those obstacles? Because if I'm calling you, I have a plan for you, and I have a plan for the people of Israel. Are you fearing a man? Are you fearing Saul? Or are you fearing me, the living God? And when you look into the rest of the chapter, we see that Samuel goes and anoints David as king. If you turn to um, chapter 13 of the same chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil, the same oil that we talked about that Samuel filled his horn with. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, being David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Israel is going for a change. It's no longer going to be under the, leaderships of, the, the leadership of Saul. They're going to start a new chapter in their lives. David is anointed king over Israel. My question to you, friends, is what are you mourning over? Maybe you're working on stuff that you always are feeling short of. Maybe you're working on your relationships, you're working on your marriage, you're working on your physical aspect, you're working on your spiritual aspect. And there are times when you might be thinking, how long will I be in this same cycle? God is saying, how long will you mourn? If you're willing to come before me as an empty vessel, I'm going to start a new chapter in your life. A chapter that will be a blessing. A chapter that you look back at the end of this year, I'm going to praise God for. The question is, are we coming before God as an empty vessel? Or with vessel that is filled with things that take the place of God? Whatever that is, that could be your relationships, that could be your that could be your job, that could be your material possessions, whatever that is. You know what's in your life. Come before God as an empty vessel. And as God fills you with the Spirit, He's going to send you. And that comes with an obedience from us. And as you're obeying God, are you seeing the obstacle that's standing in front of you? Or are you seeing God through the obstacle? And if you're seeing an obstacle, God is saying, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Bring that hurdle to me. Bring that insecurity to me. Bring that fear to me. Bring that anxiety to me. And while you give everything as a sacrifice, God is saying, are you willing to take the step of faith and trust God in the process? Because if God is calling you, God has a plan for you. And if he has a plan for you, he's going to equip you to do whatever he's asking you to do. You know, in a few days, we're going to have our annual meeting, and I hear people are stepping up to take ministry leadership roles. Some people are taking up um, volunteering positions. If God is calling you for something, church, don't sit on the sidelines. If God is giving you an um, uh, 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 inclination towards 
whatever that calling is, maybe God is calling you at church here. Maybe, it's, maybe God is calling you to care for somebody that you know of. Maybe God is calling you for some ministry elsewhere. Whatever God is calling you to, whatever God is asking you to do, if you feel the nudge from God, don't sit on the sidelines. Because as long as you look at the hurdle and sit on the sidelines, as long as you look into the insecurities and sit on the sidelines, imagine if Samuel looked at Saul and he did not go out to meet Jesse. The people of Israel would not have had what God has promised them, what God was intending for the people of Israel. You know, sometimes when God is giving us a calling, it's bigger than us. When God is giving us a calling, it's no longer you or your agenda. It's God's agenda, and it's bigger and much greater than what you and I can imagine. By, by Samuel making that step of faith and going out to meet Jesse, it might look like, oh, I'm just going to meet Jesse and anoint one of his sons as king over Israel. But the after effects of David being king over Israel is beyond Samuel. It's beyond Samuel because God is going to do the work through David by making him king over Israel. You know, sometimes we don't know the big picture. And that's the reason the psalmist says, your word is a lamp. I might not see the big picture, God. I might not see what's 10 steps ahead of me. But I'm, but I'm going to trust in that one step that you're asking me to take. Because if I take that step, you're going to be there with me to show you the next step. You know, our God is an Emmanuel God which means he's a God who is with us. He's not just calling you. He's not just saying, you know what, I'm going to help you while you step out in faith. He's saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do this journey with you every step of your way. The only question is, are we willing to take that calling? Are we willing to respond to that calling that God is giving us? Or are we going to look at whatever is standing as a hurdle and say, God, you know what? Let's talk about plan B. You know, when God wants to do something, sure enough, he can use anybody. But there's a reason he's calling you. There's a reason he's equipping you for the task. Because God has put each and every one of us in situations and in places that only we can deliver what God is asking us to do. If God wants a, a revival in your family, it's not going to be some, someone else. It's going to be you. If, it's, if God is giving you a calling to take a leadership role anywhere, it could be at church, it could be elsewhere, to do God's work, it's because God has given you a unique position in this world. If you are going to sit on the sidelines, you're, going to, you're not going to see the blessing of God. You know, whenever we look into Scripture, we see people taking 
a step of faith and responding God's calling. The blessing that came out of that is beyond that one person. When Moses led the people of Israel, it was beyond Moses for them to go from Egypt into the promised land. Moses could have said, you know what, Lord, I'm not fit for this. Why don't you go look for someone else? We don't know how the story might have turned out if that were the case. But I'm glad Moses responded to God's calling because the people were led into the promised land. And during all that journey, the things that God did in their lives, we read them today, we learn lessons from those incidents, even today, after thousands of years. That's how big God's agenda is. Are we looking at that little problem that stands in front of us? Or are we able to break through and take that step of faith, saying, God, I'm presenting myself as a sacrifice, as a truly living sacrifice, no conditions whatsoever. Please fill me so that you can send me, and I'm here to respond. I'm here to obey. Amen. Let's look to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for speaking to us through the life of Samuel. Lord, sure enough, even when there were challenges that stood in front of Samuel, we see Samuel as a man obeying your calling. Lord, as we learned, help us to come before you as empty vessels. Because we understand more the emptiness in us, there's more room for you. There's more room for you to fill us, Lord. Lord, and as you're filling us, and as you're sending out into this world, my prayer this morning is that you're going to start a new chapter in every one of our lives this year. Lord, I don't know what giants stand in front of us this year. I don't know what mountains we have to climb over. I don't know what obstacles we face. But we know one thing that stands the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Lord, we're clinging on to you, and we're clinging on to your promises. Lord, as you're filling us and sending us out into this world this year, give us the obedience to respond to the calling that you're giving us, in spite of whatever is at stake. Lord, we might not have our lives on the line, but maybe we're hesitating over that embarrassment that we might anticipate. Maybe it's an insecurity that we are struggling with. But Lord, help us see you through all those obstacles. Help us see your provision and help us to take that step of faith and trust you 100% in the process. Because if you are willing to call us, we believe that you're going to equip us and you're going to work through us to accomplish your will in our lives and in the lives of many. 
And Lord, whatever is standing in front of us this morning, we lay at your feet. We submit ourselves as a true sacrifice, as an unconditional surrender. We're laying all of our fears, all of our anxieties, all of our insecurities at your feet. Would you take that and would you give us the courage to take that step of faith in whatever you're calling us? Thank you for speaking to us through the life of Samuel. Help us to be like him. And help us to do great things for you this year as we step out in faith. Lord, I pray for each and everyone here this morning and whoever is listening online. Would you give us a heart's desires and would you help us do your will all through this year? Help us to see new chapters begin in our lives and help us to see 2023 as a blessing. Lord, once again, I entrust this time and this gathering into your hands. And as we leave from here, help us to leave with a challenge in our hearts to respond to your calling. Thank you for being our God and thank you for having us, your, having us as your children, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.